0: But let's turn to Matthew chapter 7. We're we're coming to the close of the Sermon on the Mount, and we get to this next contrast between two things. I want to start back up in verse 13. This is God's word. Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this chance to be together in your presence, uh, together and uh, wherever folks are are with us today, Lord, we pray that you would instruct us by your word. Jesus, we we know that you are laying these things out for us uh, for our good. So will you teach us today from your word? Change us, transform us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I think we all know that there are a lot of really important decisions in, in life, aren't they? Decisions that That certainly seem crucial, things that I think that most of us in our lives would like to get right, or at least have gotten, right if we've already made them. We make decisions about our jobs and, and our career paths. We make decisions about relationships. We make decisions about who to marry and to, to have kids or how many kids. We make decisions about where to live, certainly where to go to church, where to plug in your life. We make decisions about whether or not to prepare for and save for retirement or not, or to start a college fund for our children or not. We make decisions about moving out of state with with our family or not. Life is full of important decisions, and some of those decisions will set the trajectory for the rest of your life. But without question, the single most important decision about your entire life and your entire eternal destiny is what are you going to do with Jesus? By far, the most important choice. There's a choice that we make, whether you've heard a little bit about Jesus and who he is and what he's done and what he wants for you, or whether you've heard a lot about Jesus, how you respond to Jesus and the salvation that he offers you and the kingdom he invites you into and the way that he leads you into eternity, that's the single most important thing about you because it will reverberate into eternity. The whole Bible shows us this, but but especially at the at the end of the Sermon on the Mount we see this. This is what what Jesus is doing as he as he closes. He's presenting this to us. Remember that that Jesus is giving us this invitation to choose, to respond now to him. First, to enter by the narrow gate. The way of Jesus will never appeal to the majority. It will never be the easy way. It will always cost something. And and in that sense, it will be hard. It's a narrow entrance that doesn't let anything else through but yourself. But it's a gate that leads to life. It's the gate that leads to life now in abundance and eternal life and perfection with Christ one day. It's when you lose your life, then you gain your life. This is the way of the cross. And what's the alternative? Do you remember from last week? It's the easy way. It's the way that is wide. It's, it's the, the popular path. It costs you nothing. It's all-inclusive. You can, you can bring anything with you on this path. It's a gate that allows everything through. It's a road that feels like life now, but the, in the end, Jesus says, it leads to destruction, the horror of judgment and wrath because you have rejected Christ and taken the easy way. In the end, we've already learned in this closing, in the Sermon on the Mount, that there are Only two paths that lead to to one of only two eternal destinies. So think about it. Think about this next section and how awesome this next warning is. Because if there are truly only two ways that lead to only one of two eternal destinies, and if the world is full of people that try to tell you the way to go, then How great is it that Jesus says to us who we should listen to? Because that becomes a question, right? Who should we listen to? And here's what Jesus says, remember, or look back in verse 15. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Look, I just love this because he's telling us there's only one way and then he catches us at this point with this question that, that should come to our minds. Well, then, then how do we know who's telling us the right way? How do you know the people pointing you in the right direction are the right people pointing you in the right direction? And so that's what, what Jesus presents to us next. And it's, it comes to us in the form of a warning where he acknowledges the reality of those who desire to deceive. False prophets are who we are introduced to. Now, a prophet in this context is simply someone who claims to speak for God. So someone communicating God things on God's behalf, according to them. And the thing is, God's design has always been to speak through others. This is just how God has chosen to work in the world. You think back all the way to Moses from of old, to all of the prophets from of old, to his apostles after Jesus, and now in thousands of churches today, someone like me will communicate God's word. This is just how God has has been pleased to work in the world. The problem is the possibility of false prophets. People speaking falsely for God. And of course, in the days of old, there were false prophets. We can read about them in the Old Testament prophets who lied. And both in in New Testament times and today, there were false prophets and are false prophets as predicted. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 4. He says, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. This in Acts 20 from the Apostle Paul. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. And, and Second Peter He says, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, They will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. But then all of this gets complicated by our own contribution at times, right? Because Paul writes this to Timothy. He says, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching." But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. The thing is, Jesus, he isn't just warning about the reality of false prophets or teachers. He, he actually draws attention to to, to their two insidious characteristics. First, he says they deceive. They deceive. You know, Jesus made up the phrase wolf in sheep's clothing, right? And it's right here to illustrate the kind of deception that they will seek to perpetrate. You see, they, they look right? They look like they speak for God. They sound right. They sound like they speak for God. Everything on the outside lines up. Maybe they seem godly. Maybe they seem wise and knowledgeable. Maybe they, maybe they know Scripture way more than you do and can absolutely argue you under the table. Maybe their words are oily, smooth, and powerfully compelling and convincing. But there's the possibility of deception because beneath the fleece is the second characteristic. The false prophet is a soul-devouring and destroying wolf. They are happy to lead you to the lair to shred and destroy your soul in order to satisfy their own appetites and then to move on, leaving you bloodied to a pulp. Wolves, who look like sheep, who dress up like sheep, is what Jesus is talking about. And I think, I think it might be good to clarify here what Jesus is not talking about, because I think there's a, a few things that we should be clear about. He's certainly, number one, not talking about sheep in sheep's clothing. Of course. That's that's the real deal. Those are the genuine. Number 2, I don't think that he's talking about mistaken sheep in sheep's clothing. And what I mean by that is that on this side of the canyon, God or the canon, God continues to use leaders and pastors and teachers and little pea prophets to speak for him. As I mentioned, that's God's way. And, and then if you think about it, the entire history of the church is then filled with teachings that absolutely contradict each other. Have You ever thought about that? This is how denominations have been formed and split over the centuries, over the right way to baptize. Is it a, a believer or is it an infant or the right way to govern a church? Is it congregational? Is it With a board, a presbytery? Or what about views on the theological order of how someone is saved? Or what about views about the continuing gifts of the Holy Spirit? One pastor will tell you they've ceased once the scriptures were finished. The other will say, no, they haven't. Look, all this means is that well-meaning sheep, pastors, teachers, and leaders... They have to be wrong. Someone has to be wrong, right? Look, I, I often talk about how I look forward to the, to the day in eternity, and I don't think it'll be the first few days. But it's the day in eternity that I like to call the who was right and who was wrong day. You know what I'm talking about? I, I really look forward to this because I think God's going to get everybody together. Come on. All right, bring it in. And there's no, no sin, no more regret, no more sadness, but it's gonna be all right. Who was right and who was wrong? And then he's just gonna go through the list, right? Creation in seven literal days or creation in seven ages. Drum roll, please. <laughs> literal days, of course, it was written right there. Come on, people right? Or infant baptism or believer baptism. Come on. Drum roll, please. (laughs) Believer baptism. Of course, you had to be able to respond and follow Christ and then be baptized. Speaking in tongues or not speaking in tongues. Let's go. Drum roll, please. Right? Using grape juice for communion or using wine. Drum roll, please. Which was it? Who was right? Who was wrong? Now, I'm kind of kidding because Though these are are secondary issues, these things are serious, right? And pastors and teachers and leaders are serious and try to get it right. Rightly dividing the word of God. But, But Jesus isn't talking about that. He's not talking about mistaken sheep in sheep's clothing. Third, I don't think he's talking about sinful sheep in sheep's clothing. Many... Leaders and pastors and teachers over time have fallen into sin and have disqualified themselves and even disgraced the church and the gospel. Now, this might be a kind of fruit that reveals something deeper, but we know that Christians fall in sin. And sadly, leaders do as well. It just seems like every other week or month we've got another report Of some well-known, famous Christian leader, pastor, who's fallen in disgrace. Movies about them. Documentaries about them. Maybe there have been pastors in your life or teachers or leaders that, that you absolutely loved. And that you grew under and learned a lot from and were inspired by only to see Them fall. Were they wolves in sheep's clothing? Well, if they are broken and fallen and yet repentant followers of Jesus, then no. I don't think so. I don't think that Jesus is talking about sinful or fallen sheep in sheep's clothing. He's talking about wolves. He's talking about wolves. There's a fundamental difference between wolves and sheep. In the end, these are not true followers of Jesus. In the end, they are ravenous for their own ends and appetites. In the end, they are not consumed by the glory of God and his ways in their leadership and teaching, but consumed ultimately with their own ends and their own appetites at the expense of people. They are happy to destroy people by misleading them for their own selfish gains to the potential destruction of everyone's soul souls. They're wolves. The problem is they look like sheep. Deception is, well, deceiving. So the question is, how are we supposed to know the difference? That's the question. How do you know? Well, look at our text one more time. Jesus says, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. You see, Jesus says to, to judge them by their fruits. And he uses this classic construction, both a positive and a negative statement regarding two trees. This metaphor. Healthy trees, he says, bear good fruit, and diseased trees bear bad fruit. And a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a diseased tree cannot bear good fruit. So it's all about the fruit. In other words, the way that you can tell a false prophet, someone who is pointing you down the wrong path, down the road that leads to destruction and horror, you can tell them by the fruit that they produce or are offering which I believe has both a short-term and a long-term component. I think often we can be dismayed at this idea because we know that sometimes fruit takes a long time to grow. And that maybe brings to mind kind of this this path of suspicion. If you're not going to know a wolf until some fruit is born, well, then do you just linger in this land of suspicion? Wondering if, if anyone could be a wolf and will know in time, then that seems a little bit sketchy. Am I a wolf? Am I just like playing the long game here? The really long game? Like, so if it's, well, you, you won't know until there's fruit. Well, I do think that there's a long-term component, but... But we're not left to that. There is a right now short-term fruit that we are to evaluate. And I want to get really practical here because the near-term right now fruit is what you see and hear right now. We don't want to bury the lead here. Jesus is saying if you think that it's a grapevine, but as you get closer and notice that it's not that it's a thorn bush, then right now, right now, you know, it's not the real deal. And if you see a fig tree, and and it looks like a fig tree, but the closer you get, you notice it's just thistles, it's not figs at all, then right now, immediately, you know that it's not the the right thing, the real deal. There are trees in nature that mimic certain fruits, especially when you see them from far away. But if you get up close, or especially if you taste the fruit, then you know right away that it's not the real deal. So... If real fruit is truth about what God actually says, then this means that any pastor or teacher or leader that is selling you something that is in direct contradiction to Scripture itself or what God says, he's not mistaking in his interpretation. He is a wolf. If he is seeking to refute what God clearly says, then they are not speaking for God. They are a false prophet. Think about the the near context and the two paths that we just studied last week. A false prophet, a wolf in sheep's clothing, will seek to lure you away from the narrow gates and the narrow path they will seek to to turn you around from that into the wide path and into the easy way. Especially when the characteristics of the narrow path are very clear in Scripture. I think we can illustrate this using for sure what wolves love to mess around with, and that is the gospel itself and sin. I think that wolves love to to, to just play in these two areas specifically. There's lots of other ones. But with regard to the gospel, a false prophet is anyone who teaches that there is any other way to God other than Jesus, period. Period. Or that God will accept you on the basis of anything other than Jesus and his blood and righteousness received by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Because that's what God says. That is the gospel. And if anyone teaches you something different, it's not true. And you can tell the fruit of it immediately when you hear it. Because the fruit is evident right away. If you get to God through Christ plus, through Christ plus seven sacraments, or not without the sacraments of baptism and confession and last rites and others, for example, then wolves. That's what Martin Luther called them. Priests and bishops, wolves. Wolves. Or if the goal of the gospel is favor for yourself or prosperity or wealth, all, that it's, all that's in it for you because of God, wolves. Or if the way to God is through self-enlightenment or inner peace or through religion of any kind, then wolves. There's, if there's many paths to God, Wolves seeking to lure you away from the narrow gate, especially if all of the above benefits or enriches said teacher in some way. Wolves love to to mess with the gospel because Christianity is simple. Come to Christ with nothing. Nothing. Believe and trust in him and you receive it all through him. But a wolf wants to insert themselves into that equation somehow and benefit from it. And you'll know it when you hear it. There is one gospel. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him and with nothing with you. All the fitness he requires is you feel your need for him, right? You hear something else, you can can see the fruit immediately. What about with regard to sin? Well, if the clear command of Christ is, well, clear, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, meaning no idolatries, love your neighbor as yourself, meaning no selfishness, love your enemies, forgive, be merciful, serve, deny yourself, fight sin, crucify the flesh, grow in grace, grow in love, grow in holiness. If we are called to the countercultural ways of Jesus as we are being transformed by his spirit more into his image, And then we read something like this in Galatians 5. Now the works of the flesh are evident. So launch synonyms. Obvious. Evident. Obvious. Crystal clear. Unmistakable. Indisputable. These are the sins of the flesh. They are obvious. Sexual immorality. Now, these aren't areas of sin that we fall into and repent of and fight. These are patterns of sin that you've onboarded into your life. Or or Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, But it's it's clear what God says and what God thinks. And what are the stakes? Three times in those two verses. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. The wolf says, yes, you will. Yeah, you will. The false prophet will say that this is not sinful. And by the way, you can't look at those lists and and cherry-pick the bad sins. The the, the sins that, that Christians tee up culturally. They're in there. But so is greed. So is jealousy. So is being a divisive person and okay with it. So is being a drunkard. Look, the, the point is the, pro, the, the false prophet is going to, to say, look, all of those things, no, 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 no. They were, they were culturally conditioned way back then. It was different. This, the, the sins of the flesh, they're not as obvious as you might think. I've gotten four degrees in not only first century culture and anthropology, but I've gotten degrees in Greek. I've gotten degrees in Bible. And that Paul didn't mean that. Like, that, that's not what God is saying. God loves you. And, and whoever and however you choose to be, God is a God of love. It's not sinful. The false prophet says, there are pastors standing behind pulpits today that are preaching, you be you. Whatever you is. Because God loves you no matter what. And if they're talking to unbelievers, that's not true. God is love. But until you find yourself under the the blood and the doorways of Christ, the wrath of God is pointed at you. You are enemies with God right now. They look like a sheep. But inside, they're a wolf, because you can see fruit right away, leading you down a path that fundamentally asks the question: Can I be a Christian and, and then fill in the blank, and add these things? Habitually be sexually immoral and okay with it. Habitually. Drinking until I'm staggering and okay with it. Habitually filled with anger and rage and envy and jealousies and divisions and and okay with it. Can I be a Christian and a practicing homosexual? There are pastors in denominations around the country and world today that say yes. And I say wolves. Wolves. And and it's not because I say it, it's because God says it. And God is true, and let every man be a liar. False prophet says he, he loves everyone equally. Look, it's in the end alluring away from the narrow gate and the hard road that it is to take up a cross and deny yourself and crucify your flesh daily and follow Christ according to his terms. Look, I've often drawn attention to that original question to Adam and Eve in the garden, did God really say? But then when you add to that when Jesus calls Satan the father of lies, And then try to put that together and think, well, then what was Satan's original lie in the garden? If he's a father of lies, then what was the original lie? Except that's not a sin. Yeah, God said don't, but you can, actually. Actually. And as a matter of fact, yeah, God, God said, don't, it'll be bad, it'll go bad for you. But actually, that's not true. It's not a sin. It's not bad for you. It'll actually be better for you. You'll be like God. Look, the 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 original lies, the original questions has to do with that part of our flesh that wants to rebel against God and his ways and keep what we want in our lives and our sinful pets. And that's bad enough in and of itself. But it breaks my heart that there are young people around the country that are listening to their pastors who tell them that this is okay. That breaks my heart. Because I warn you, as I warned you before, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven if these things unchecked or just onboarded are who you are. And I'm not talking about misinterpreting because in these lists, it doesn't talk about you will not inherit the kingdom of God if you, if you get baptism wrong or if you misunderstand if the gifts continue today or not or if you're a young earth creationist or an old earth creationist. That's, that's not what's in here. What's in here are the things that God hates that he knows destroys our lives that lead to the path of destruction because of how he's made us and created us to be The wolf will say, God doesn't hate that. Do what you want. Identify how you want. Drink as much as you want. Be as jealous as you want. Have sex with who you want. Marry who you want. And whoever causes one of these little children who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Jesus said, they will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Jesus says. There's fruit that you can see right away. There's fruit that that when you hear it, and especially when you taste it, it should cause a gag reflex in your soul. You should, you should spit it out immediately. You'll know them by their fruits. You're not meant to to take it in and 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 soak on it and and meditate on it and think, oh yeah, maybe they've got a point. No, you're meant to spit it out. Now, as we close, I know that there is also long-term fruit that can be seen and observed in false teachers. We certainly have seen lives that are shipwrecked men and women, leaders who walk away from the faith completely, pastors and leaders, or even criminals, criminals. And apostate today, they never were sheep in the first place, though, again, they looked like it and maybe looked like it for a really long time. But they, the, the, the darker motives were unseen for a long time. And they will be revealed And I do praise God that he is a God of redemption. If you have been disillusioned or or misled, I want you to know it's not been by Jesus. It's it's been by someone who was speaking for Jesus. But if you've been disillusioned or or misled, felt like a, a wolf, has torn into your soul. I praise God that he is a God of redemption and your story is not over. I just would ask you, do you really have a beef with Jesus? Or with those who who have told you that they were speaking for him? Because Jesus is truth. Jesus is glorious. Jesus is, is awesome and powerful. Jesus is perfect and who he is and what he does, it's it's Jesus himself that you long for. It's Jesus himself that you need. And he's here. He he loves to reveal himself to us. He will continue to use servants who are meant to be faithful, who are meant to be qualified, who are meant to have character, who are meant to rightly divide and handle the word. But Jesus will never let you down. Don't walk away from Jesus, not because of Jesus, but because of someone connected to Jesus. Because Jesus is indeed has all that we need. So worship team, you can come. And if, if you think about how to apply a text like this, it certainly is a warning text. It's the, the, the command is to beware. So that just means kind of head on a swivel in some ways. It means to be eyes wide open. It means to, to, to think, to be, to be careful in a sense. But I think a good way to, to think about this is to just ask, who do you listen to? Who do you listen to? God indeed uses servants. But the true servant of God or spokesperson for God will point you to Christ they'll point you to Christ they will they'll point you to Christ who is here they'll point you to God's word are you listening to someone who's full of themselves or are you listening to someone who's who's pointing you to the fullness of him who fills all things to Christ Jesus is truth, and his ways are holy and righteous and good. A wolf will point you away to other options, and I think ultimately to himself or herself. You'll know by the fruit, but only good fruit comes from the good tree. Bad fruit comes from the bad tree. So don't be deceived, amen? amen? So Lord, we ask that you would lead us. Lord, we need you. You're the one that we long for and, and love. Lord, we thank you that you're the one who keeps us, that you're the one who protects us, that you're the one. Lord, you say that, that you know your sheep and your sheep hear your voice. Lord, we thank you for that. Your voice that is truth and, and clear and, and power that doesn't come with the dissonance of compromise and questions and doubt and unclarity. And Jesus, we thank you that you, thank you, that you are the one who is, is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us blameless before the presence of your glory with great joy where we look to you, we want to follow you. We thank you for this this warning that that means to help us to see what's true. Lord, I, I pray for churches around the country and the world. Lord, I pray for evangelicalism today. Would you have mercy on us? Or would you shine the light of truth into Christianity in America? Lord, would you halt the wolves? Would you, would you bring them down? Would you halt the lies? Because you know that the way of destruction destroys our lives now. It's a way of misery and hopelessness. It's a way of of deep distress and anxiety and depression. Lord, people are killing themselves. Jesus, would you have mercy on us? Would your truth ring out and be compelling? Lord, would you save? Or would you send gospel preachers and teachers and influencers who speak what is right for your glory and your name as an as a as a glowing invitation into life, Lord? Would you lead us with all the temptations from within and the pressures from without? Help us to follow you with joy, with faithfulness, and for this to happen, Lord, we need you. So lead us, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen.